Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. There's Charles W. Chuck Bryant. That makes the stuff you should know. It feels like it's been forever since we've been in the studio. Yeah. This chair, my chair no longer stinks. I had time to air out. And you know, I've said it before, I'll say it again. If we could roll the first three minutes before we actually hit record on this puppy. Yeah. Oh, man. What? Gold. You think so? I think, what are the ones they give uh, for spoken word? You can get a Grammy for that? Sure. Or if it's like videotaped and broadcast on TV, you can conceivably get an Emmy for it. We, I think we could win every award with our three minutes before and after we record. Huh. And people out there now are like, oh, I want to hear it so bad. They get this. <laughs> That's it. This is what you get and you'll like it. For your freeness. Right. All right. By the way, go like us on Facebook, will you? <laughs> it would help us out. Personally, Chuck and I would be helped out. <laughs> If you go on to Facebook.com slash Stuff You Should Know, our Facebook page, and like us. Look, get us to 50,000. Can you please get us to 50,000? And, gen- and for the gentleman who said that it makes him want to unlike it because we ask people to like it, uh, just, what, what's going on, buddy? <laughs> what's going on in your life? <laughs> so it's, Chuck, called, it's called marketing. You ready? Yeah. You ready? Let's market some agritourism. Okay. I have an intro. Let's hear it. So... Back in 2007, a little uh, news item may have slipped past because it was south of the border, Florida. Um, a guy named... That's uh, usually Mexico when you say that, by the way. A guy named... If, we're not in Texas. We're in Georgia. Right. So south of the border means Florida. Okay. Uh, a guy named Ronald Evans Sr. Uh-huh. And his wife, uh, Jaquita Evans, got some pretty hefty time. Ron Evans got 30 years for what amounted to indentured servitude, right? This guy ran some Florida labor camps where people would go and, like, this is where they would stay and bunk and eat at night. And then during the day, they'd get bused to farms to work, right? Orange groves, that kind of thing? Wherever. I think lettuce is big there, too. Um, That's all legal and kosher. Sure. The, they, they even actually employed the homeless. They would go around to Miami, Baton Rouge, New Orleans. I, I don't think they came to Atlanta, but they went to big cities in mm-hmm. the southeast and recruited homeless people living on the street and said, hey, we can give you a job. You That's know. great. Yeah. The problem came with the indentured servitude part. Mm-hmm. They had a company store at their labor camp, and it sold a gallon of wine for 40 bucks. And you should know right off the bat that you can't get a good gallon of wine. That's all cheap. Sure. So they had really inflated prices. Cigarettes were through the roof. Right. And the crack cocaine was above market value, the stuff they sold at the company <laughs> store that they eventually got all the guys addicted to. Wow. Gave them advances of crack uh-huh. against their paychecks and basically got these guys mired in debt to where they were indentured servants. Wow. Slaves. And Slave labor. He's got, the guy finally got busted. Boy, he, he, he probably got thought he years. was a really smart dude. Yeah, because he was running them not just in Florida, but yeah. in North Carolina uh, and uh, possibly South Carolina as well. He's like, I've discovered something really, really great. Right. So that um, is the exact opposite of agritourism. And that's your setup? Yeah. <laughs> that's pretty good. Yeah? I thought, I didn't see where that was going, because the whole time I was thinking, all right, that's fine. He's paying these people. 
gets homeless people, puts them to work, puts them up in a in a bunk. What's what's the problem? Yeah, forty dollar gallon of wine. Well, the crack's crack is kind of a big problem too. Yeah. He had all the farmers paying him in cash, right, in return for the 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 labor. So he could go buy massive amounts of crack. So the company store never ran out of crack, from what I understand. Well, and they were probably fairly secluded, you know. It's probably the only store around. They probably didn't have cars. No. They probably depended on that store. They did. And that crack. Yes. So, like I said, that's the opposite of agritourism. What is the positive, the, the, I guess, what is agritourism? Well... It's when you want to attract guests and visitors to come to your business, your farm, uh-huh. to either uh, observe or actually take part in the the business, the family business. Okay, let's go. <laughs> Is that good? That's it. That's That was agritourism. Explained. Like, you know, let's just give it one example. Say okay. you can go to California mm-hmm. and you can stay at a winery, and instead of just kicking back on the porch all day and sampling wine... You can go out and you can pick the grapes and you can learn how it's done and yeah. lend a hand yeah. and uh, eat, eat the food that's produced there, maybe if it's a farm, that kind of thing. So I think Sideways, the film, was sure. entirely bankrolled by the California agritourism cartel. Was it really? I think so. I mean, think about it. Like The whole movie's about an yeah. agritourism trip. That's essentially... Sure. Not even essentially, like that is in every way agritourism. Like they went from one one winery to another winery, and they watched the grapes get stomped. Did they even did they participate in grape stomping? I, I don't remember. Don't remember. But did you ever see that video on YouTube? Oh yeah, the woman stomping grapes. Yeah, here in Atlanta at was Chateau Lawn. Oh man. Yeah, it was uh, Fox Five that it happened on. And have you seen Keyboard Cat Player Out? Uh-uh. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty good. It's story. really sad because she seems genuinely hurt, but the noise that she makes, its once you hear it once, it is stuck in your crawl forever. Yeah. So, yeah, that's grape stomping. So that's a that's a pretty good example of agritourism, right? I Gone think, wrong. I think we should... Well, yes. In her case. In her case. But Sideways is a good um, example. I took that tour. Did, I know. The for Sideways your, tour? For your... Uh, well, no, no, no. That was birthday? Northern California. We uh, we did the little that sideways was down in uh, Southern, like uh, Santa Barbara. Oh, I thought it was in Napa Valley. No, no it was in it was in Napa. No, it was in where it was. Well, then all those places I went to that were in the movie must have been wrong. <laughs> the, in the movie, it's supposed to be Napa. Five dollars. Okay, I'll bet you. Everybody I actually Chuck just shook on. I actually went to uh, the one winery with the guy with the big beard. I actually hung out with that guy for like an hour drinking wine. Really? Mm-hmm. The dude from the movie. And like we were the only people in there. The sun was setting. It was one of those magical moments. That sounds touching. Yeah. So, Chuck, um, what's, the, what's the point of agritourism? Well, it helps. Well, it's because farmers are having to diversify a little bit in most cases. Yeah. To make dough. Yeah. I read a... Sadly. Uh, I, well, with the advent of the factory farm, right, we've got... Very a very small percentage of farms, number wise, right? Yeah. Um, say one factory farm equals one farm. That's mm-hmm. an enormous farm. Yeah. Uh, in both like revenue and you know acreage sure. production, um, they represent a very small number of the number of farms, but a disproportionately large um, total of the revenue made yeah. and of the stuff produced in the U.S. Right. So that's industrialization. Right, and one of the one of the other aspects of industrial I know where you're going next, but one of the other aspects of industrialization is um apparently you have to have a gross revenue of fifty grand a year 
from your farm to start to actually be able to sustain your family. Really? Through farming. Wow. 75% in 2007, 75%, no, I'm sorry, 2010, this year, mm-hmm. 75% of farms in the U.S. made less than 50 grand gross really? a year. So this is one of the reasons why they're saying, well, I don't really want to give up farming and become a city slicker because I hate city slickers. Right. But I like city slickers' money, uh-huh. so let's supplement our income and start some agritourism. Yeah. Yeah? That's a great reason. What's the other reason that farmers are being forced to go into agritourism, Chuck? I'm glad you asked. Uh, globalization, because uh, with the way shipping is now and communication around the world and things move at the speed of light... You're not just competing with the farm like in your county or in your state. You're competing with like a farm across the universe from yourself or the world. <laughs> the world. The world's bad enough. Don't yeah. bring the galaxy into this. You're, you're in big trouble. Those moon farmers. We get inter- intergalactic competition going. Moisture farmers. So we've got globalization, industrialization. Those are pretty much the two big drivers of agritourism. Yeah. But, you know, you can't put it past farm folks to, to be, um, well... Smart. Yeah. You know, farm smart. Isn't that what they call it? I never heard that, but I love that term. I thought I picked that up from you. No. Are you sure? No. I never have heard that before. Well, there's farm smart. Farm strong. I've said that. No, no. That's live strong. Farm smarts. So, Chuck, um, there's a few different ways that this can pan out, right? Yeah. Let's say you're at the uh, $49,000 level. And you don't care about sure. new stuff. You're just fine sewing your old clothes, and, but you want to keep farming. Um, you would you would use agritourism as like a supplementary income, right? Yeah, just add a little. Like you might do tours, things like that. Right. And you know what? I should add that when I was a kid, was it Robert that wrote this, Robert Lamb? Yeah, it's an unusually thin article from Robert Lamb of yeah. stuff to blow your mind. Well, he makes a, a point early on that um, – it provides a connection that people has been lost between the stuff we put in our body and and the person. Yeah. Because I and, and I read that and it really hit home because when I was a kid, and this wasn't in like the 1920s, we got our milk from a farm right here in Atlanta. Yeah. And it wasn't weird. Like we drove to this farm and they had you pull up to the cooler room and there was a guy standing there on the porch and he would just ask what you need and he'd go in the cooler room and go get it for you. And it wasn't like... I didn't live in, I wasn't a hillbilly, and it wasn't the 1920s. This was like in the 70s and 80s in, in DeKalb County, Georgia. Yeah. But now, I mean, that seems really weird well, to get anything outside of a grocery it's store. It's not weird. It's more like token. It's like a token experience, right? Yeah. And that, that, that by the way, is direct marketing uh, agritourism. Where like you drive to the farm and like you just pull up to a farm stand or something yeah, that's yeah. on the side of the road. Sure. Um, but yeah, we were talking about what's driving agritourism from the farmer's point of view. Right. But you just touched upon what's driving it from the consumer's point of view. And yeah, this whole farm to table movement. It's huge. Well, yeah, and it's having, it's, it's, it's the perfect time for agritourism. Uh huh. Because, uh, I think it was, was it 2008 or nine, very recently, um, the world population tipped towards cities for right. the first time ever. Right. More people lived in cities than in a rural area. Right. Right. The sticks. The sticks. So we're 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 getting further and further away from our country roots. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. People don't walk around barefoot anymore. People wear shirts underneath their overalls. Right. It's just you know urban. Sure. Um. So the, the I guess this desire to be able to go back to the farm. Yeah. 
uh, is is definitely part of of why this is why consumers are going there, right? Well, and Robert makes a point which is very valid, which is especially if your family, if that was your roots, your ancestry, you may not know anything about that, and it might be a neat way to get in touch with your your ancestry and your roots. Right. Go back, see what it's like to milk a cow, because great great granddad did that for a living. Sure. Pretty cool. Yeah. You can feel your great great granddad's ghost looking over your shoulder like you're doing it wrong. Right. You gotta yank down <laughs> and to the left. So, <laughs> I've never milked a cow. I don't know how to do it. So you've got supplementary, uh there's complementary, which is where it's about half and half, and a good example of uh this kind of agritourism outfit is a pumpkin patch, right? Yeah. So like they may sell half of their pumpkins to, you know, a wholesaler and then they may keep half of them for the fall tours and people can walk around and pick their own pumpkin and then carve it and have some snot-nosed teenager come and smash it. Right. And some awful band will name their band after that act. Jerry just left it. I heard that. <laughs> She's like, mentioned smashing pumpkin? Uh, so that's complimentary. And then there's primary. And primary is the one where your farm is growing nothing but weeds, right? Nothing you can sell. And you turn it into an agritourism destination. Like you all, almost all of your income is coming from the, the fact that there are people coming to your farm. But to you, do you're things. still growing stuff though. Well, you are. You have to like grow something, but it doesn't yeah. necessarily have to be sellable, right? As yeah. long as people think it looks pretty, then you're fine. Sure. Now there's, uh, back in 1999, the director of the UC Davis Small Farms Program publicly worried that if ranchers and um, farmers mm-hmm. didn't get in on the agritourism action soon enough, the market was going to be open wide enough for like theme park operators to do this, really? which would be the, the primary enterprise aspect. And there's a guy who's a uh, former Disney exec who actually started a company to make mazes that take about two hours to get through. Really? On farms, yeah. Well, that's, that's huge, the corn maze in the fall. That's agritourism, buddy. Yeah. Yeah. You ever done one of those? I haven't. They, I, I'm either. terrified at the thought of like getting trapped in there forever. <laughs> really? Yeah. Wow. Mazes, huh? I don't like mazes. I bet uh, the end of The Shining is pretty harrowing for you, huh? No, because I'm not there. But yeah, sure. Like my, I've got like three mirror neurons. Oh, if you were Danny, though, then you, it would have been frightening. Oh, I would have just laid down and died. Yeah, say, come kill me, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Make it quick. Uh, so Robert likens it to ecotourism, which is um, not too far off. Wouldn't you think? Mm-hmm. They both have tourism in the name. Well, yeah, and the cool thing about um, agritourism and ecotourism, well, actually more agritourism, is you don't have to necessarily throw a lot of money into it as a farmer because you got the farm. You, sometimes you just got to open the gates and advertise and say, come to our apple farm and pick some apples. Yeah. No. So it's not like you got to sink a lot of money into an enterprise. Right. And um, one of the I think one of the rules of thumb, if you're a... Um, agritourism farmer and you're actually trying to sell some of your stuff too mm-hmm. you want to keep the littlest kids like occupied away from your produce because apparently they represent a huge portion of shrinkage oh really yeah so i guess petting zoos are the best way to do it like and that petting counts too zoos right are, it is because if you've ever wanted to watch a small child inadvertently kill a rabbit by petting it too eagerly then <laughs> a- agritourism is right up your alley that doesn't happen Sure it does. <laughs> That's awful. <laughs> Kids and their rough love. So Sometimes they just don't know. 
Let's talk about some different types of agritourism, Chuckers. Uh, well, you mentioned the direct market, uh, which is like fruit stands, that kind of thing. Um, Robert calls this one education and experience. And this is more along the lines of like a bed and breakfast, like Serenby. You know Serenby, south of Atlanta? I saw, yeah. It's pretty cool. You know they have a uh, an apprenticeship, too. Oh, really? That lasts from March to November. Huh. Yeah. I, I looked it up. Pays 800 bucks a week plus housing and utilities. Wow. And they teach you the ins and outs of organic farming, um, keeping farm records. Like it's it's pretty well organized, it sounds like. There's actually, while we're on that, there's, um, if you go onto the National Sustainable Agriculture Information Service site. Okay. And then search sustainable farming internships and apprenticeships. It brings them up for the entire country. Cool. Yeah. So if you're into this kind of thing, if, if you want to be like an agriculturist rather than an right. agritourist, it's, it's out there for you. You know, if I was 15 years younger and single, you would find me down at Serenby living right now. Is that right? Yeah, man, I'd love that. Really? Yeah, it's gorgeous down there. Hmm. So that's the idea of like the bed and breakfast package where they say, hey, stay at our bed and breakfast and work a little bit on our farm and learn how to turn butter and eat the food that we serve you that's straight from the farm, farm to table. Yeah, you saw that one Maverick farm in, in, uh, in New- yeah, where North, Carolina, North Carolina. Yeah, yeah that, I love that. Throw, throw that down. Uh, it's in Valley Crucis, North Carolina, and it's a bed and breakfast. It's situated in a um, 140-year-old, 125-year-old farmhouse, right? Uh-huh. Uh, and it's 120 bucks a night for a room, but you can work off up to, I think, 25% of yeah. your bill f- at 7 bucks an hour yeah. by acting as farm labor, like a farmhand. Yeah. And then you eat with the family in their home every From night. From the stuff that they grow. Yeah. And they said that you can, it's an option if you want to donate a little money back for the meal, you can. Yeah. Well, I, I'm trying to picture you there. You'd be like, I ain't working. 120 is a good rate. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just be here on the porch. <laughs> right, watching you people work. I'm paying to watch other people work on a farm. Uh, and then the other type is uh, recreation and event agritourism. And that's um, more like the big fall festival. Yeah. Corn mazes, pumpkin picking, hay rides. Sheep shearing contest. She- Do they have those? Sure. Awesome. Yeah. Pie eating contest. Yeah. It, basically, if there's an event that you're attending and, um, say, a pageant, and it's Miss, and then insert your own vegetable, yeah. that's agritourism. <laughs> the Miss uh, Squash of Canton or whatever, that kind of thing. Sure. Uh, another one that was pretty cool that um, he mentions in here is the U.S. Department of Agriculture operates one called Home Place by the Lakes National Recreation Area in Tennessee. And they go a step further and combine a little, like, Colonial Williamsburg in with it. So they'll dress up, instead of a Civil War reenactment, mm-hmm. they'll be dressed up in the old school clothes, showing you how to churn butter. I imagine it's like the Amish would probably be like, dude, that's our life. <laughs> have you ever seen Come that? watch us. Have you ever, <laughs> Right, exactly. Um, it's like the opposite of Rumspringa. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> that's what we just figured out the key to agritourism. <laughs> it's the opposite of Rumspringa. Yeah, it's the opposite. It's Ding, the Amish. bang, boom. Have have you ever seen the Ollie G episode um, where Barack goes to like a, a living history farm no. in South Carolina? Uh-uh. I strongly recommend that one. It's really? hilarious. Goodness. Uh, there's another one called the Connor Prairie Living History Museum, which is sort of what you're talking about right there. This one's pretty serious. Yeah, this is in Fishers, Indiana, and uh, there's an outdoor museum, and you can see how things operated in the 1800s. And then they go a little step further. 
And they actually have a program called Follow the North Star, which allows you the chance to see what it was like to be a slave trying to escape. Yeah. Which I, I wonder how they do that. I think they have guys and dogs running after you. Really? Yeah, tracking you. That's, that's what I took from it. Yeah, that's that's tricky. I mean, that's living history right there. Yeah. I don't know if I'd want to do that. Can you see yourself running through the woods like, I hate agritourism. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is horrible. So, Josh, one of the ideas behind agritourism is that people will be so uh, inspired by their trip that it will form sort of a relationship with the farm and that they will want to support that farm even after they have right. left the farm. This appears to be like a long-term goal of agritourism. It's not just short-term. It's more like they want to remind the city slickers that farms still exist and that the city slickers are welcome to come by and empty their wallets there. You yeah. know, like keep coming back again and again. And actually, that works because I was raised as an agritourist. Um, going to McQueen Orchard in Holland, Ohio. Really? To pick apples. And still to this day, like my family, when we visit Ohio, we'll go to McQueen's. We schedule it around the time oh, where nice. where the apples are ripe. Amazing. Best donuts in the entire world. Like, I kid you not. Really? Yes. Everything's just perfect there. Just go go to McQueen's. Apple fritters, too, I bet. Apple fritters. Uh, apple, their apple cider is just... Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, and the apples themselves, you just climb the trees and pick them and yeah. eat them and... You know, take off your shirt. It's awesome. <laughs> uh, so where I was going, though, with the with the repeat businesses, um, you've heard of the, the CSA, the Community Supported Agriculture Programs? Yeah. And that's when you sign up um, as a collective. Well, you sign up personally. You form a collective as a whole, and um, you basically pay money up front to get a box of vegetables like once a month. I mean, the programs are right. different. Delivered to your home, or sometimes you go pick them up. Right. And the cool thing is... And you should know this because some people might not think it's so cool. Is you don't know what you're going to get. Yeah, but you get a lot of what you don't know what you're going to get. Well, yeah. So you got to be open-minded. You got to be willing to experiment with vegetables you may never have cooked with before. It's probably a good idea to know how to can things. Yeah, because you really get a lot of stuff. This is one of the things I've always heard from people who have co-op subscriptions. Yeah, that like all this kale, so much all this stuff. kale. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Tennessee Tech has a program. They say that they're the first university in the state of Tennessee to offer a degree in agritourism because they say this is the future and you're going to need managers and people that know the trends in this business. I think this represents the people who are like theme parks are going to get into this. You think so? Yeah. Like uh, Lettuce Land, that kind of thing? <laughs> no? I, I wouldn't <laughs> call it that, but possibly. Uh, they got a couple of stats for you. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, successful, right? Well, yeah, I got one for the state of Colorado, at least. They say that agritourism contributed $2.2 billion to their state's economy and that 13.2 million visitors engaged in one in last year in agritourism in Colorado. It's pretty awesome. So the one I have is uh, from the 2007 U.S. Census of Agriculture. 23,350 23, farms in the U.S., have some sort of agritourism thing going on, right? Yeah. And uh, about 3,600 of those were making 25 grand or more a year from it. Yeah, this billion number seems really suspect to me. I wonder if it's not million for Colorado. Yeah, because the, the total for all of the U.S. in 2007 was 566 million. I don't know if that was gross revenue because it sounded like your stat was um, like economic impact. Yeah. That would include like the 
gas people got sure. coming into the uh, state and yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, hotels that they stayed in when right. they were picking apples. That still seems like that. high. But that's what the Colorado State Extension Service said. Well, they're pretty well known to be rather liberal with their numbers. <laughs> right. Yeah. The hippies. So let's see. What else, Chuck? I don't have much else. Do you? Uh, greatest winery scene of all time. Not in Sideways. Come found on. in the uh, British comedy series Absolutely Fabulous. Really? Oh, yeah. Uh, I, you know, I didn't watch that show. Yeah. I knew it was supposed to be great, but I didn't watch it. <laughs> and that particular episode was hilarious. Really? Yeah. Well, I think going to a winery is a great way to uh, participate in agritourism. And not just wineries. They have um, like homegrown breweries now, too, as well, like brewery tours. Oh, yeah. I'd like to do that, like too. People grow the hops on their land and make the beer and you drink it. And yeah, I'd like to go to the Sierra healthy. Nevada plant. I would, too. It's one of my goals in life. Go Please. find where they make that sweet nectar. Have you been to uh, Sweetwater? Uh, no, I've never been oh, there. Oh, Chuck. I know, right down the street. It's like a, a good little happy hour place. That's what I hear? Yeah, it's fun. Give you tastings and all that? Uh-huh. Is that agritourism? No. Not really? No, not at all. Industrial tourism, maybe. Yeah. That's visiting a brewery. Sure. <laughs> so that's it. That's agritourism plus a touch of industrial tourism, just as an extra little nugget. That was free. Yes, it was. All right. So uh, if you want to learn more about agritourism, uh, read an article by Robert Lamb just to complete the series. You can type in agritourism, A-G-R-I, tourism, uh, in the handy search bar at HowStuffWorks.com. Yeah, and support your local farm. Get on the internets and... There's something near nearby. Yeah, there's a ton of stuff. Oh, and actually, what's that website? You got one? I do. Um, I give you the one for the apprenticeships. Yeah. If you want to actually be the person working that people are gawking at. Right. If you want to gawk <laughs> at people working on a farm, <laughs> go to Rural Bounty, R-U-R-A-L, Bounty.com. I thought it would be Agri-Gawker. <laughs> no? It's the same thing. Okay. It's time now for Administrative Details. You ready? Should we set this up for people who don't know what this means? Because <laughs> it's the worst title ever. <laughs> it is not. It's very succinct and to the point. These are gift thank yous from fans that send us things in and uh, hopes that we will promote their little Etsy site. <laughs> well, not just gifts, like sometimes correspondence. Yeah, correspondence, postcards. So um, we, it's been a while and we've gotten some pretty good stuff, a lot of stuff. This is going to take like an hour. It is. Uh, just want to say thanks to Mr. Cohn at Waterford Union High School in Waterford, Wisconsin, for the nice letter and the uh, information on um, goats that produce spider silk, including a drawing. Go Badgers. Yeah. Yeah, he was actually... Was it Badger? The Badger. He I was the mascot for a while. Wisconsin. Oh. I thought I made that up. No, you're thinking of Wolverines. That's a lucky guess. You go. Uh, Center College women's volleyball team sent us one of their T-shirts. They are the Spandex Mafia. I saw yeah. We all three got one. Yes. Uh, thanks to Kristen for even more nougat. Thank you. It's delicious. Oh, yeah. Kristen thanks. Ferguson with her nougat. Yeah. Thanks to uh, Sarah Michelle for the copy of Dianetics. Hardcover, no less. You got that? Yeah. Wow. Uh, you got that. Jeremy and Heather uh, in Asheville, North Carolina make eco-friendly artwork. Custom wood carved wedding cake toppers, mm-hmm. and they sent. Um, they made a little Josh, a little Jerry, and a little Chuck, mm-hmm. and they're really awesome looking. I put it on Facebook. 
Yeah, you were very proud of this. I, I just thought they looked really cool. And they were, you know, they looked like us. And uh, you can shop with them if you would like at uh, com. That is urastarhouse.etsy.com. Nice, Chuck. Uh, thanks to Kentucky and I, Nikki, uh, for the postcard of the London Eye. Yeah. Thanks a mill to Kevin at jadabugroasters.com. That's J-A-D-A-B-U-G roasters.com for the not one, but two pounds of coffee. Uh, why didn't I see any of this? You always give me the coffee. I just didn't even pass this one by you. Man. I'll bring it in for you if you want. David Polly, of uh, <laughs> San Francisco. He runs a small print shop, and he sent um, some cool custom concert posters that he prints. And I collect these posters... And he said he would keep me in mind for the future and sending me some of these. That's very nice. Did he send you two of the two versions of the same? Is that the one I have? Uh, Jerry got one too. We all three got one. Okay, that's same. very cool. Very cool. I would have liked to have been at that um, festival. Uh, thanks to Casey from Huntsville for the very nice letter and the sketch of the octopus. Keep listening, Casey, and we will keep you laughing. Right? Jennifer of Lynchburg, Virginia, sent us little Inaman Christmas ornaments. Very cute. They are very cute. Yes. Uh, thanks a million to Kate in Sunnyvale for our awesome card. That's the one that has us as the Estonian wedding couple. Oh, yes. Uh, and uh, thank you to Matt and Zach at the Our List podcast. Have you been on there? Uh, yeah, they sent us shirts. Yes, they did send us shirts. And at first, without reading the card, I thought it was a drawing of us. I did, too. These guys are our doppelgangers. Yeah, I saw it, and I was like, eh, it's sort of a good likeness, but not really. But it's right. not even <laughs> no. no, I'm like, oh, okay, it's them. So they have a podcast called Our List. Uh-huh. If you want to check it out, um, it's uh, Our List podcast, I believe. And uh, speaking of shirts, Standard Clothing and Print in Candor, North Carolina, sent us some shirts. And I got a Hoosiers t-shirt, a Jimmy Chitwood Number 15 Hoosiers t-shirt. It's because you are a well-loved celebrity, Chuck. And Jerry got one and you got one, uh, different ones, and that is standardclothingandprint.com. Mm-hmm. Thank you to Amy, who sent us the, her copy of, or a copy of her doctoral thesis, a metrica, with an exclamation point, about the metric system and how it should be used in America. And it's pretty awesome. I wrote a blog post on it. She mailed it. I got it like two days later. Oh, cool. So you can check that out. Just type in... A-M-E-T-R-I-C-A, and it brings up some stuff. I don't think she has an actual site for it, though. Although, she's on Twitter, a much neglected Twitter account, Ametrica. Interesting. I got two more. Uh, Matt invented his own chewing gum. It's good, too. It's called Think Gum, and it's uh, supposedly brain-boosting with herbal extracts and naturally caffeinated. And you can find that at Mm thinkgum.com. And my last one... A little controversial in my house. We got handmade soaps sent to us. Mm-hmm. From Jan Marie Silvera. Yeah, World Soaps, W-H-I-R-L-E-D Soap. And uh, I told Emily about this because everyone knows my wife makes her soap. She was like, let me see that. <laughs> she checked it out and checked out the ink. She immediately looks at the ingredients. That's the first thing she always does. She was like, oh, it's actually, you know, made of essential oils and, and olive oil and palm oils. Good, good soap. Yeah, it's really good soap. Um, thank you to Cameron. Uh, your letter got to us just fine. Thanks to the Pinks for sending their CD. Pinks. Uh, thanks to L. Michelle down in Panama for the postcard. Very titillating postcard. Yeah. Um, thanks to Vanessa for the Jackalope postcard. Still got some more, Chuck. Hang in there. Thanks to Jan from Niagara Falls for a, a postcard of the namesake of her hometown. 
Thanks to Amaret in Boone, North Carolina, for the nice letter. We'll see what we can do. Thanks to Laurel, who sent us the Meyer Lemon Vanilla Bean Marmalade. I didn't know about that either. Okay, I was—I didn't know if I gave you some or not. So, so you just funneled some of these straight to Josh's house. <laughs> I never even hear about them. I had to ask you for the gum. Uh, yeah, and I gave you the whole box. Uh, thank you to Nick uh, from Mud River Coffee. Uh-huh. MudRiverCoffee.com. You got more coffee. You, this is where I got the idea to just keep the two pounds for myself. I was like, well, let's split this. You're like, you're the coffee guy. You keep it. Oh, I did say that. Awesome coffee. Um, let's see. Thanks to Katerina from Lenifalu, Hungary, for the nice postcard of Joseph Stalin. Thanks to Robert for the Route 66 postcard. Thanks to Zach Netzer for the awesome um, mix CD. Thanks to Andrew Smith at andrewsmithart.com for the DVDs. Did you see those? I did. Uh, thank you to Jen from Australia for the postcard of the theme park. And thank you to Staff Sergeant Russin Kozihar, Kozihar, I think it's Kozihar, for the postcard from Afghanistan. Be safe. And that is it, yes. All of you, not just the Staff Sergeant. Yeah, everyone be safe. Um, and thank you very much for, for sending us some stuff. If you guys want to, run in droves to the uh, Stuff You Should Know Facebook page and... Um, if you have a link that you want to share with everybody, please do, because all the stuff was great. Thank you. And if you want to send us something, uh, you can find our address by emailing us uh, at stuffpodcast at howstuffworks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. To learn more about the podcast, click on the podcast icon in the upper right corner of our homepage. The HowStuffWorks iPhone app has arrived. Download it today on iTunes. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you?